This is the Small Moves Podcast with your host, Jason Hertzberger, episode 49. Quote, what consumerism really is, at its worst, is getting people to buy things that don't actually improve their lives. Jeff Bezos. Oh, the irony. You're listening to the Small Moves Podcast. Small steps for big progress. With your host, Jason Hertzberger. Your next step starts now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to the Small Moves Podcast, small steps for big progress. Let's prepare to ignite. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the show this week. Today is Friday, one of our themed episodes on the five areas that I like to hit on the Small Moves podcast on a relatively regular basis. Today's topic area is personal finance. For those that have been around a little while, you know what that means, but for anybody that's new that's been listening to the show uh, not for too terribly long, uh, what I mean by personal finance, just so that you can get on board, is what you do to manage assets, dollar value assets that you currently have already. This is savings tips. This is investment strategy. This is basically what you do with the money that you have currently coming in or currently have banked right now. That's what I mean by personal finance. So that I generally try to keep these air, these episodes tied to topics that fit that bucket. Now, that being said, if you've been following along for a little while, you know that my family and I just recently purchased our RV and we're going to be moving into it full time year round. I know we're super excited. Anyway, now something that I was going to touch on in this episode was going to be fairly basic and I was going to get into some specific tactics that me and my wife have stumbled upon and have used to relatively decent success to sort of trim down on our day-to-day or month-to-month expenses. So to allow the freeing up of the cash flow needed to make this RV purchase work without really changing anything in our lives and down the road slightly, we're going to experience a pretty significant cash flow swing once we actually sell the house that we are currently living in right now after we just confirm that the RV lifestyle is going to end up being for us. I can get into that process and that mindset another time. But basically what I was going to touch on in this conversation was some very specific tactics that we've done that have worked for us. But um, I, as I was just sitting down to record this episode, I decided to change my mind slightly and figured that I have to zoom out a little bit just to kind of give you a little bit of a background of the sort of the why behind these tactics that I was going to get into. And I'll reserve the tactics for another time. And basically, very broadly, what I want to talk about is sort of my and our journey from your relatively normal spending patterns that you see in the good old USA today uh, towards a slightly more anti-consumerist mindset. Now, the term anti-consumerism is a very loaded comment. That is something that 
gets a lot of flack for one reason or another. And it's something that I just sort of want to clarify, at least as to how it applies to us. Now, keep in mind, for those of you that have been around a while, you know I refer to my absolutely darling wife on a relatively regular basis. Anything that I'm going to mention here that seems in any way negative absolutely positively does not, did not, never did apply to her. She has been one of the most frugal and amazingly stalwart frugal people that I've ever met in my life since the day that I met her. So everything that I'm going to bring up that's a negative solely applies to me. I love you, honey. Anyway, the journey that sort of took me to the mindset where we are right now that's taken us in a fairly extreme route with regards to the RV living and anti-consumerism that we're trying to practice in our household was sort of a long one. I came up in a family that didn't exactly have very much money. Uh, We had a dad that wasn't the greatest at conforming to office settings. So Keeping a job wasn't exactly the easiest thing in the world for him. My mother never finished high school, so she was a, and she was an administrative assistant, secretary, bookkeeper. The lion's share of her life never made more than twenty five thousand dollars a year. My dad, I think, had his most success in his latest later life once he got into his late fifties and sixties, making no more than forty thousand dollars a year. Um, that was in between, in some cases a year or years in some cases of not being able to find work. So didn't exactly come up in the most financially stable household. There was a bankruptcy mixed in there at some point. And the long and short of it was I was going, as was my brother, we were going to private school at the time, the cheapest private schools available, mind you, but we were going to private schools when we were younger. At least my brother from, from high school went for high school and I went from roughly third grade on and we were kind of paying our own way in a lot of in a lot of cases with that stuff if we wanted to stay in those schools we sort of had to work ourselves and pay our own way and that was something that kind of instilled in me a work ethic that started fairly early on and with that work ethic came a job at a bank when I was 18 years old When I finished high school, I went into community college and I was working as a bank teller through my time in community college. And then as soon as I graduated from that, I was offered a job in the mortgage office and for the bank that I was working for at the time. This was 2002 for anyone that was conscientious of the world in the early to mid 2000s. Let's just say The mortgage industry was booming just a smidge. So they were basically just looking for bodies. And that put me in a position where I was making more money than my parents were making combined in their best years when I was 20, 21 years old, which is a responsibility that I do not wish on anyone that has not had any experience with it. And when you take it to some of the extremes that you see with people in professional sports where you come from quite literally nothing to making millions of dollars basically takes the situation that I was put in and amplified hundreds of, you know, thousands of a percent higher. It's a shock 
to the system and you frankly have absolutely no idea what the hell to do with the money that you're making. Like it's just not, it's just a non-reality for you. It's just something that you're not used to. You don't know how to handle it. And the sources of information that you have for the lion's share of your life, which is generally speaking, your family have no way of helping you. So there's no basis of knowledge. You don't even really know where to look. So I struggled a lot with consumerism early on. I was making way more money than I should have when I was that age. I was spending that much money, if not more than the money that I was bringing in on a relative on a regular month to month basis. And that just sort of led to my own financial troubles, as you can plainly, you know, figure out on your own with just the basics of common sense. And I wasn't too long before I followed down the financial path that my parents were in. And that was just sort of, it was a shock to my system, but it wasn't because it was sort of just business as usual, the way that I grew up, that was financial troubles were financial troubles. That was just life. Now, when I met my wife in 2011, you know, I started to see for the first time a sort of a different world where she came up in a different type of a family arrangement that was far more well off than mine was. Not to say they were, you know, multi-billion dollar, you know, robber barons by any stretch, but my wife's parents do quite well for themselves because they were entrepreneurs. They were very hard workers and they ran very solid, small local businesses here in the Baltimore area. And they were able to turn that into a very good childhood for my wife. And that is wonderful. And she did not fall down the path because her parents were as hard of workers as they were and nothing was ever handed to them. My wife learned the value of hard work, but also the value of money. She was incredibly frugal with her assets. And that's something that I didn't know that I needed, but desperately needed in my life. And she's been a tremendous inspiration for me. But that being said, it's kind of hard to teach old dogs new tricks. So even now with me having a business running and running well, you know, for the last seven years, I've struggled on my own with, you know, consumerism and spending too much money. And if you note the quote at the beginning of this episode from Jeff Bezos of Amazon.com, which has been probably the worst thing that could happen to a compulsive spender like me. Um, the, the Amazon obviously is a wonderful tool that allows for some amazing savings and convenience for the lion's share of the population. I just heard on another pod on another podcast that I listened to, I believe it was on the Joe Rogan show that, for those of you that have Amazon Prime, if you're in the United States and you have Amazon Prime, count yourself as part of the 55% of the American households that pay for and are subscribed to Amazon Prime. More than half of the United States households have Amazon Prime. Now, that very easily transmit that very easily translates to showing why Jeff Bezos is now by a relatively wide margin, the, the most richest person in the world at the moment. He has surpassed Bill Gates and Warren Buffett by a fairly comfortable margin out of seemingly nowhere because those two have been 
jockeying for that top spot going back 20 years. And Jeff Bezos has been steadily climbing, but over the last several years, it's just exploded. And he's now, by a pretty wide margin, the richest guy in the world. Now, the problem with this process and consumerism in general is it sort of distracts us. And this is what I've come to realize is that... Everything and Amazon is just sort of a is I'm not going to blame per se Amazon for this, but the culture in which we live is very consumer driven so much so that there there there's always an app for that. There's always a product for that. There's always a new gizmo or gadget or game system or book or whatever. There's always something that is supposedly going to be the great fix for whatever that thing is that you've got going on in your life right now. But for some reason, at least for me, nothing was ever really hitting the mark, at least long term. And it's just taken me a long time to admit that to myself, if nothing else. And I've come to the realization that the time that I spend now that I have children, the time that I spend with them is just magical, for lack of a better term. And I never seem to be left wanting anything after I spend any decent amount of time with my wife and with my kids and with my closest friends, regardless of the setting and that's something that has just kind of taken me a while to figure out. I know it sounds very much common sense, and a lot of people might be thinking, well, of course. Well, we all say, well, you know, yeah, of course, but then we never actually act on it. So what I would say is you have to start thinking a little bit about your spending, but do it in a very structured way. When people talk about, well, I want to be a little bit more anti-consumer, you need to get specific as to why and what is it that you should be doing instead. Because we have to remember, in the culture in which we live, especially here in the West, the culture in which we live is so driven by consumerism. It's the nature of everything that we do. I mean, my wife and I have pointed out that we have the hardest time getting together with some of our best friends because even us – and even, you know, some of our closest friends, we put off getting together because we can't figure out what to go and do with them. It's like, oh, well, we don't have the money to do this. We don't ha like we don't want to have to worry about fixing dinner for this many people to come over. So we just don't invite them over or vice versa. Like we don't see friends as often as you want because there seems to be this overriding desire and need to say, well, if you're getting together with friends, you have to get you have to get together and break bread with them, it's, which is another way of saying you have to go to a restaurant and spend a crap load of money for food that you can fix for 10% of the cost when you're at home. It's just it's and it's and it's endless situations like that are endless. It's like the it's like the kids birthdays are coming up. Oh, my God. What can we do to outdo the party from last year? How much more do we have to spend to outdo the party from last year? It's like this friend over here, you know, spent what was probably a hundred dollars on a present for, you know, my daughter last year. So we've got to spend at least that on them this year and maybe even more because, you know, inflation, da, 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 da. It just, it's never ending and it just never, never ends. You need to start 
thinking, and this is what we've done, is to start thinking about if you were to break that trend, what is it that you need to replace it with? Because that's the trouble that we've run into, or this is the trouble that we had run into in the past that we think that we've found some solutions for, is that people, and this is, it's funny, because this is a problem that was brought up in the book, The 4-Hour Workweek, which was the first book that I mentioned in the Small Moves Book Club last month, is that it's misunderstood that strategy of the four hour work week is very much misunderstood, obviously, by people that haven't actually read the book. But the misunderstanding of it is that you work for four hours and then after those four hours are done, you sit on your ass and do nothing forever. Like, that's not exactly the point. The point of it is what do you actually fill that time with? The, the area in that book was called Filling the Void, which is the section that is mostly ignored by a lot of people that haven't read the book. They don't even know they don't even acknowledge it in the index. But that's very much applicable to this topic is that you have to figure out the filling the void. If you're not going to be buying the latest game system, the latest TV, the latest car, the latest watch, the latest phone, whatever it is, what are you going to spend that money on? Now, when I say spend, I mean, what are you going, what job are you going to give those dollars instead of spending $999 on the iPhone X or, you know, 12, you $1,000, $5,000 on the latest, latest and greatest smart TV or whatever it is, the $350 birthday party versus the $1,500 birthday party versus the, you know, the Christmas tree from that special place across town where the Christmas trees are $500, but they're just so perfect. You know, what, whatever it is, it comes down to giving your money a job and giving yourself a reason to give your money a different job other than just buying shit. So the point of that is that it's not just about the money itself. It's about what you want to choose to spend your time doing. When you have a lifestyle that demands that you spend $10,000 a month on housing, gifts, trips, vacations, whatever it might be, when you have a lifestyle that requires you to spend that much money, that means you have to have a job that funds at least that much, if not more, so that you can also save money. But if your lifestyle is built around being more frugal and your lifestyle only costs you $5,000 a month or $3,000 a month or whatever that number happens to be as a manageable figure for you, then that's all the income that you need, plus a little bit in order to save. So it's it's about the lifestyle. If the lifestyle that you want to be able to spend time with your family, with your friends, with whatever it is that you want to be doing, if that lifestyle can be done, can be floated at with a job that pays you forty five thousand dollars a year, but you're currently at a job that pays you one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars a year, but you're working seventy hours a week and you never see your goddamn kids. What what the hell is the point of making the money? It's like you're doing nothing but damaging the relationships that you have with the only things that you say out loud anyway, the only things that you say matters. So it's a more about the lifestyle that you want to live. I've come to the realization, sad to admit, to you know, sad to admit later than it should have happened, but 
I've come to the realization that I would much rather spend time with my wife and my kids than quite literally doing anything else on this goddamn planet. Now, if that means that we sacrifice some relationships, so be it. If that means we sacrifice some social standing in some circles, so be it. That's Those are trade-offs that I'm now willing to make. I was not willing to make those trade-offs in the past, and... I have to tell you that it has been incredibly freeing since making that realization. Now, it really also, besides coming down to what it is that you want to be doing with your life, the point of it is, you know, I mentioned earlier, our everyday lives in this culture is built around spending. You have to start thinking of ways to not necessarily spend money in order to live a decent life. And that comes down to what you want to be doing and who you want to be spending your time with. And that comes down really to what's meaningful to you. Is it Christmases in the Bahamas? Is it just going on free hikes on public land as often as humanly possible? Like, what is that? What is that thing for you? I I challenge you, if you're listening to this, if you can take a second, if you're driving, I do apologize. Do it next time you stop. But if you're just listening to this and you're at your computer or sitting around somewhere, take a minute, take a minute. Let's try that again in English. Take a minute and open up the notes app on your phone and just write down something that you want to be doing a hell of a lot more of than you are right now. Should you have the time, please ignore what it costs and focus on things that are lower cost, but that bring you a hell of a lot of joy. That's something that I think you need to focus on because then you can start trying to figure out what you want to do with the money that you have instead of buying the latest, you know, cell phone charging cable or case or whatever the hell it is that you want to buy on Amazon today, which is the newest version of the thing that you bought probably a month ago, month and a half ago, whatever it is. And then you can start diverting those assets to bigger purchases that make a bigger difference, whether that's a different house, whether that's just investing to start generating dividend income so that you can start diversifying your income streams. Whatever it is, write down the things that you would rather be doing rather than the things that you're doing right now. And the final point that I really want to make on this topic is this is going to be a tough transition for you because it very much has been for us because quite frankly, You look really weird if you're not spending all of the money that you're making on shit for your house or your car or your friends. That's so odd and it's such a foreign topic that people around you are not really going to understand and they're probably going to give you a lot of crap for it. We have caught massive amounts of crap for it from family, from friends. Most people think that we're absolutely insane doing what we're doing with the RV and, you know, moving out of the house and trimming down on our lifestyle all the while our income is not dropped. So everybody looks at us as like, oh, well, you're, you know, you're not, you know, you're not losing any money. Why, why, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you cutting down? It's like, aren't you depriving your children? Aren't you whatever? 
And that's, that is a process that you're going to have to go through. It is going to be grueling. It is something that you're going to have to suck up and deal with. And you're going to have to start making some decisions about some of the relationships in your life. It gets back to the, the age old, you know, the age old quote of those who matter don't mind. And those who mind don't matter. At the end of the day, you have to do what's important for you and for your family. And if there's people around you that just won't stop questioning and critiquing and telling you that you're wrong, you're going to have to start thinking hard about when to answer the phone when it rings. And that kind of that kind of sucks sometimes depending on who it is that's on the other line. But if you plan and think hard, and know what you're doing. Know, know that you know, need to know what you're doing. Don't just go into this process willy-nilly. Have a plan. Have ideas. So that when people that are important to you question you, you have legitimate answers. And this is something that has helped us out significantly with the people that are closest to us. Is that we have reasons. We have numbers. We have plans. We have backup plans. We have our stuff in a row, and that has helped alleviate some of the concerns of the people that are around us, not to mention our own concerns, because again, this is a lifestyle change for both of us, but a lot more so for me. So I, we need to make sure, and I need to make sure that in the event that we hate doing what we're doing, we have a backup plan. So have a backup plan. Make sure that in the event of you disliking your new lifestyle you know that you can go back if you want to. And I know that sort of goes against some common logic where a lot of people say, just go ahead and burn your bridges, burn the ship so that you can't go back. That's adorable, but that also prevents so many people from even attempting to make any changes that it just never happens. So I highly recommend you having a backup plan. I highly recommend putting systems in place or putting a plan in place so that you can try something out for 30 days, 60 days, six months, whatever it is, but know that you can go back. So if you want to trim down on your cost of living, trim down your cost of living without proactively trimming down on your income. Do that for six months. Make sure you like the lifestyle. If you like the lifestyle, go ahead and make a change. Um, if you don't feel like making an income change, but just like the new lifestyle, that's okay too. Pick what works for you. And that's all I'm going to really say on this topic is that know that the people around you are going to be questioning you hard because at the end of the day, they love you and they're part of the same consumerist culture too. And if they haven't thought about doing this themselves yet, this is going to be completely foreign and that that's okay. Don't take it personal. Know that these people love you, at least God, I hope they love you. Otherwise, why the hell do you have them around you in the first place? But that's a different conversation. Know that they have your best interests at heart and know that if you have good reasons and can show to them that you have actually thought this through, then they should be at the very least understanding, if not supportive. With that, I really appreciate you listening to this episode of the show. Thank you so much for sticking with me through this. I know this one was a little ranty, so I do apologize. But this is a topic that really hits home for me and has been something that's been a hard adjustment for me and that I've seen 
an amazingly freeing feeling come from. So I really wanted to make sure that I shared the, my thoughts on this topic. Before you go, please go over to Apple Podcasts, if able, or into iTunes, and please leave me a review of the show. I'm looking, I read all of the reviews that I get on the show, because I'm also looking for feedback from my audience about what topics that you'd like me to hit in the future. So you can do that in the review section of Apple Podcasts, or you can also follow me on Twitter and just shoot me a, a direct message on Twitter. Let me know what you think about the show and if there's any particular topics that you found helpful in this area that you'd like me to showcase or talk about on the show. I'm more than interested in hearing what your thoughts are on that. So with that, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening. You've got this. Thank you.